Hello everyone, and welcome to Multi-Level Mondays, a weekly series all about pyramid schemes, Ponzi schemes, multi-level marketing, and other forms of business fraud. I'm the Illuminati, and today we're going to be talking about something that has been requested quite a bit recently by many of you. Myself and many of you have obviously picked up on the fact that a lot of MLMs, and I mean a lot of them, are dominated or founded by Mormons. The LDS or Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints has a lot of controversy surrounding it. Latter-day Saints or Mormons have been justifiably criticized for historical revisionism, homophobia, racism, and sexist policies. Many argue that the origins of Mormonism themselves are questionable at best too. However, I'm not going to be talking much about the church itself today because instead we're going to be focusing on the tie between the LDS church and multi-level marketing companies. Many Mormons have settled in Utah and today over 2 million or one third of the entire Mormon population lives in that state. The Great Salt Lake Valley was seen as a promised land to many Mormons in the mid 1800s, though again, the entire history of Mormons settling there is quite a long and confusing one to say the least. But back to MLMs, according to my sources, Jane Driggs, president and CEO of Utah's Better Business Bureau said there's about 70 companies registered as MLMs in Utah as of 2018. Studies from the Consumer Awareness Institute show that over 99% of recruitment-driven MLM sellers lost money. And whether or not you wanna look at these studies, MLM's own income disclosures reflect these numbers pretty consistently. Just the top 15 generate billions in annual revenue, making it one of the biggest industries in that state. But why is it that so many MLMs come out of Utah? What is it that attracts Mormons to MLMs in the first place? And is anything being done to stop this? Hopefully I'll be able to answer all of those questions and more. So let's dive right in. Let's go and take a look at one of the first and most obvious reasons as to why many MLMs start in Utah, the Utah laws. I mentioned this incredibly briefly in my Kirby MLM video, but MLMs can thrive or struggle depending on the laws in a certain state. Quackwatch does a fantastic job explaining this and states, on February 17th, 2005, the president of the Utah State Senate signed a bill, SB 182, direct sales amendments that effectively nullifies Utah's Pyramid Scheme Act, at least as it applies to the most damaging of all the classes of pyramid schemes, product-based programs that have proven to cause financial losses to over 99% of participants. This extraordinary loss rate has been documented in at least four separate independent investigations. The financial harm is mathematically predetermined by the scheme's multi-level and recruitment-based structure and operation. SB 182 was initiated by the Direct Selling Association, which has been essentially taken over by the network marketing or MLM industry and has been lobbying from state to state and even in Congress to take the teeth out of laws against pyramid schemes, at least as they apply to product-based programs where investments in the schemes are laundered through what appear to be legitimate product purchases. DSA's aim is to protect their member MLM companies from being prosecuted for violating laws against pyramid schemes. I'm not saying that all MLMs have come after 2005, of course. That is just a massive part of why Utah has become a safe haven for them. New Skin, one of the nation's largest MLMs, for example, which by the way, that's next week's episode, was founded in 1984 and it's headquartered in Utah, yet over 85% of their revenue comes from Asia. 
Apparently at SB 182 hearings, a new skin company spokesperson even stated that the MLM industry brought in four times as much revenue as the ski industry, which in Utah is quite famous. This might be good for Utah in monetary terms, but it's earned them the nickname, the scam state in part because of this. One of the ways in which SB 182 does this is by manipulating the pyramid scheme laws put in place. According to Utah code 76-6A-2, a pyramid scheme means any sales device or plan under which a person gives consideration to another person in exchange for compensation or the right to receive compensation, which is derived primarily from the introduction of other persons into the sales device or plans rather than from the sale of goods, services, or property. However, the amendments have weakened these laws. Compensation does not include payment based on the sale of goods or services to anyone purchasing the goods or services for any actual personal use or consumption. Consideration does not include payment for sales demonstration equipment and materials furnished at cost for use in making sales and not for resale or time and effort spent in selling recruiting activities. In other words, SB 182 turned this language around. Participants paying goods to become eligible for commissions will no longer be evidence that an MLM is a pyramid scheme. Quackwatch explains, under this wording, the workings of a product-based pyramid are magically legalized. The purchase of goods and payments of fees serve as consideration that the participants pay for joining. For making these payments, the participant gains the right to receive compensation, which is derived primarily from the introduction of other persons into the sales service. Based on the recruitment of new participants and their subsequent purchase of goods and services to play the game, the recruiter is compensated with commissions and bonuses. No real customer base is established. These incentivized sales to newly recruited participants are the engine that drives the schemes. The scheme can be a closed system at fixed prices in which the currency for joining and the compensation paid out for recruiting are based primarily on the participants' own purchases of the scheme's products. This kind of scheme violates Utah's existing Pyramid Scheme Act, but is perfectly legal with the amendments in SB 182. One man that has been consistently speaking out against MLMs, John M. Taylor of the Consumer Awareness Institute, even states in his article that, quote, I personally testified against the SB 182 amendment to the statute in 2006, which allowed for compensation for personal use. The DSA used deception and trickery to get it passed with the support of Utah's attorney general, whose main political donors were MLM companies. Similar tactics have been used by the DSA in other states. It's incredibly frustrating to see the lobbying from the DSA and other MLMs at work here when there's so much evidence that people lose money and get hurt. Only those at the top of the pyramid win in these scenarios, but the attorney general was so busy thinking about his bank account, I guess, that he just didn't care. Mark Shirtleff, I'm looking at you. And oh wait, it looks like that ship already sailed. Almost 10 years later, in July, 2014, Mark Shirtleff and John Swallow, two former Utah attorney generals, were arrested in a corruption scandal after having been accused of trading favors and access to rich businessmen and improperly accepting money. One New York Times article states, in an interview with KSL News Radio, Mr. Shirtleff's lawyer, Max Wheeler, said his client acknowledged that he had done a lot of dumb things but insisted that he had committed no crimes. Mr. Wheeler said the charges contained no new smoking gun, and he pointed out that Mr. Shirtleff had previously spoken with federal investigators who declined last year to file any federal criminal charges. The criminal charges against Shirtleff were eventually dismissed a couple years later, but from my perspective anyway, this SB 182 definitely falls into the category of one of those dumb things he did. 
Sugarloff argued back in 2005 that a distinguishing feature of an illegal pyramid scheme is the lack of legitimate products, which simply is not the case. Product-based pyramid schemes can most definitely exist. It doesn't matter if your garbage is filled with Herbalife, if the only way to actually earn money is by recruiting people, that's a pyramid scheme. Just to prove Sugarloff wrong, let's look at what the FTC has to say about MLMs and pyramid schemes. Are you considering a business opportunity that involves selling products to family and friends and recruiting other people to do the same? That kind of business is called multi-level marketing, MLM, or network marketing. Some MLMs are illegal pyramid schemes. MLM companies sell their products or services through person-to-person sales. That means you're selling directly to other people, maybe from your home, a customer's home, or online. If you join an MLM program, the company may refer to you as an independent distributor, participant, or contractor. Most MLMs say you can make money two ways. By selling the MLM's products yourself to retail customers who are not involved in the MLM, and by recruiting new distributors and earning commissions based on what they buy and their sales to retail customers. Your recruits, the people they recruit, and so on become your sales network or downline. If the MLM is not a pyramid scheme, it will pay you based on your sales to retail customers without having to recruit new distributors. If you're considering joining an MLM, know that some MLMs, even ones that aren't pyramid schemes, may not be a wise investment. Some MLMs may not technically fit the description of a pyramid scheme because you can earn money through sales. Will you earn a living doing that? Hell no, we've seen income disclosures to prove that. But even those that can't legally be called a pyramid scheme are at best an unwise investment and a predatory company luring in vulnerable and uninformed recruits. There are some that can be legally defined as pyramid schemes and have been shut down because of it. Take Vemma, for example. They were shut down for operating a pyramid scheme. But again, according to Shirtleff in Utah, they can't be a pyramid scheme because they had products, those little energy drinks, right? And yet they were still shut down. In actuality, neither Shirtleff nor anyone else sponsoring this bill gives a damn about the victims of MLMs. And if you need any further proof, look no further than what one co-sponsor said. He stated that he, quote, had a problem with protecting people from themselves, end quote. That's what anti-fraud laws are for. I know that there are many times when I've called out Huns for their incredibly disrespectful and predatory nature that they go about attempting to sell their business. Sometimes they make unproven health claims, send despicable messages to those that tell them no. So I'm not about to say that everyone who works in an MLM is 100% innocent. Yet at the same time, it's incredibly easy to fall for scams when there's so many false promises made. And MLMs are often far from transparent. So what if someone falls for them and loses money even after the company has misrepresented itself? Is that entirely their own fault? No way, that doesn't add up. But hey, Shirtleff received at least $72,000 that we are aware of, primarily from MLM prepaid legal, otherwise known as Legal Shield, when they were in hot water and ordered to pay millions of dollars worth of damages to distributors who accused them of deception. Money talks, and unfortunately here, it talked to the wrong lawmakers. Although I could genuinely go on about these laws and the shady activity a bit longer, I think that gives us a pretty good idea of the basics and what's going on here. So I want to move on to the next aspect of MLMs and Mormonism here. And we're gonna take a look at the reason why the two seem to be so closely tied together. But before we jump into that, we're going to take a quick break to hear from today's sponsor. 
After years of reading the fine print of contracts and being ripped off by massive wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when I first started working with and using Mint Mobile's premium wireless service, I was like, what is the catch to this? It can't be this good and only start at 15 bucks a month, right? Well, it turns out it can. And the reason for that is because they don't sell in any retail brick and mortar stores. And by selling online only, it means they don't have crazy overhead costs. So they can just sell the service directly to you with no frills. And I love the service. It's simple to use, it's easy. It gets delivers in very cute Fox themed packaging and that's it. It's literally the SIM cards in there. You just pop that bad boy into your phone, whether you get a new one or bring in your own phone and you just download their app and get started. And that's it. And it came in super fast too, which by the way, the shipping's free. So that makes it even better too. And if you're not satisfied with Mint Mobile, they have you covered with a seven day money back guarantee. So if you wanna get started with Mint Mobile today and change to a wireless plan starting for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com MLM. Again, that's mintmobile.com MLM. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com MLM. Utah, USA, temperature minus nine. It's most famous for being the home of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. One BBC article and video on the topic also links Mormonism and MLM jobs to stay-at-home moms. And let me make this incredibly clear. This is not to bash stay-at-home moms in any way. Motherhood sounds like a hell of a lot of work. And with the cost of what childcare is and the cost to literally exist, I can completely understand why some moms or dads would opt to try and work from home. This is only to say that unfortunately, stay-at-home moms tend to be a massive target for these kinds of business models because of the flexible scheduling and you can work from home attitude that's advertised to them. The journalist Ellie travels to Utah and states that more than 100 MLMs were founded here, and she particularly recognizes unique and new skin from her research. However, not only are both MLMs based in Utah, but both founders are members of the LDS church. Ellie interviews Gina, a Mormon missionary, mother, and former MLMer, and here's what she says. As members of the church, we are taught that we, the moms, are supposed to stay home with our kids and nurture them and raise them. I think a lot of women in this area take that a little too seriously, and they think this is the only way I can earn money, through MLMs. MLMs, as Gina says, are taking advantage of that. And on the flip side, some of these mothers are ideal recruiters. Gina states, in the church, we have these things called missions. Men go for two years and women go for a year and a half. So we would go out and we would knock on doors and we would talk to people about Christ and see if they were interested in learning about our beliefs. Because of my mission, it was easier for me to reach out to these people. Ellie questions if these companies are actually set up as opportunities for women or just as a means to capitalize on their desire to be at home and raise their family. Obviously, we know the answer to this because if it was a genuine opportunity, people wouldn't be losing money. A woman that used to work at the unique head office who concealed her identity for the interview met with Ellie and says as much. I don't think you can say you're trying to uplift and empower women when you're trying to convince them that they need these products and it will ultimately improve their lives. The makeup isn't what Unique is marketing. They're marketing a lifestyle, they're marketing a dream, and they're marketing a support group. For the majority of promotions we put on, they're focused on recruitment. There's a shifting of blame. If you weren't making money, you weren't working hard enough. A blurb pops up on the video that reads, an accountant in Utah who files tax returns for about 1,000 clients in MLM said about 90% didn't even make an income. 
The numbers don't lie. Whether or not you want to believe this head office person or not, the numbers prove that this is not an opportunity. The CEOs of Unique and Newskin also brushed off Ellie Flynn and ignored her completely when she requested an interview. Instead, they sent statements that said, hey, success depends on how motivated someone is, once again, shifting the blame. Newskin, doTERRA, New Ways, Unique, Young Living, Thrive Life, not Level Thrive, this is a different Thrive, and Forever Green are all MLMs based in Utah. I'm not saying this alone is evidence that something is wrong with the way Utah is run. We've got laws that are all sorts of messed up all around this country, but you also can't tell me this is some sort of odd coincidence either. One source states, many Mormon mothers in particular sign up with MLM companies because they want to feel productive and bring in extra income, all while balancing being a stay-at-home mom, according to multiple interviews. I feel like selling for an MLM was a way for me to straddle the influence of my local culture pulling me to work and my church culture pulling me home, said Kelly Eddy, an MLM sales representative. Every non-LDS friend I have works outside the home, so I think MLMs are appealing because they give you a way to say, hey, I'm contributing too. Ashley Pugmire began selling cosmetics with Unique, a Utah-based MLM company in 2014. She worked hard and quickly rose to the top 2% of sellers within the company, and she still sells for them today. She said being a seller gave her a greater purpose than being just a mom and helped her feel empowered as a leader. However, Pugmire said she's also found herself making her family and household responsibilities a second priority to the business, which had an impact on her home. It's important to find the balance in running an MLM business from home, according to Pugmire. She also said it can sometimes be difficult to be the top of a long downline. For example, she had 400 members in her downline leave because of problems caused by a member on her online training pages. And first of all, there's nothing wrong with being a stay-at-home mom if that's what you choose to do. But second of all, if Ashley was looking for something to do, why not like pursue online schooling, see what you might be interested, look for other jobs that also allow you to work from home, volunteer in the community, like MLMs just aren't it. I wish that productive and worthwhile alternatives were presented to these women instead. Like, sure, it's great that Ashley feels empowered as a leader, but while she thrives, 400 women beneath her that we know of had a negative experience. And I bet from the numbers alone that a large percentage of her downline isn't earning a single thing. Even though LDS women are supposedly not required to stay at home, one source states, they know their role is an important one established by the Lord since the beginning of time and that is best fulfilled from inside the home. So even if it's not mandatory, it does seem well kind of expected. In Utah Valley alone, where the population is mostly Mormon, almost half of prime aged women don't work compared to only 8% of men. Plus, LDS is publishing studies that say stay-at-home moms are mostly very happy or extremely happy at home. And again, it's creating the narrative that women belong in the home and not at a workplace. Whether or not you agree that that's right for you is one thing, but this is frustrating that this does, unfortunately, make these moms perfect targets for multi-level marketing companies. One podcast called The Dream talks about this in some detail, and it's an extremely interesting episode if you ever wanna check that out and that podcast all together. Another article on the topic states, it's evident that MLMs leverage, maybe even exploit their religious customer base and its values to encourage more sales. At a Plexus convention in Las Vegas earlier this month, keynote speaker Bob Healing told attendees, so if you are a believer, as I know many of you are, here's what you have to realize. You have a responsibility to use the gifts you've been given for something far bigger than yourself. 
Because your gifts are much bigger than you and you have a responsibility to share them with the world. And this, Plexus, is the best vehicle you will ever have in your lifetime to do that. He added, I believe that your Plexus business is an assignment from God to help you build your faith. Many MLMs also use mommy blogs and Pinterest boards to advertise further proof of who their target market truly is. In reality, being your own boss is extremely difficult. It's rare that it's extremely flexible and you just have a great time and you don't have to answer anyone and you're just vibing in your lane making money. One source states, perhaps the most sinister marketing tactic MLMs can employ with stay-at-home mothers is preying off loneliness. It can feel isolating to be home with the kids all day and MLMs promise an upline of sponsors who will support them as they launch their business. Many Mormon women are unfortunately the perfect prey. They live in Utah, which has lax laws. They often stay at home with their children, which means that many want a flexible disposable income and former missionaries have experience in recruitment because of their missions. Former Mormon missionaries have also come forward stating that they continued ringing doorbells and trying to recruit others into their faith, even when they experienced doubt. So there's a chance that even if a distributor was having doubts about an MLM, they would continue using aggressive sales tactics to bring people into the fold. I'm not saying this is an undeniable fact, but when you consider certain aspects about the Mormon faith and the pressure the church puts on missions, it wouldn't surprise me. However, even though we've got quite the perfect storm here for why MLMs thrive in Mormon communities, we're still not done. Let's dive into the health and wellness MLMs because those are a different monstrosity in of themselves. Alice Hines from TPM writes in 2015, it's early May and I'm at a Marriott hotel in Salt Lake City for a conference on Q Sciences, a company that sells Empower Plus Q96. Here, everyone but me is a salesperson, which means these testimonials are also pitches. Q Sciences is a multi-level marketing company selling not in stores, but through regular people who earn commissions from selling products as well as recruiting others to do the same. This makes multi-level marketing unique and controversial. Tales of newly minted millionaires circulate like cash, as do stories of people who lost fatal amounts of it. Money is only part of why one joins though. Here in Utah Valley, distributors preach a gospel of mind-body wellness founded on healthy supplements and spiritual growth. At the Q Sciences Conference, facts are swept up in avalanches of feelings. One activity consists of standing up and telling the person next to you, you're the smartest person I've met all day. A motivational video teaches you that success depends not on your circumstances, but on your state of mind. You gotta want to succeed as bad as you want to breathe, proclaims a voice out of a Rocky movie. One company doctor gives a speech wearing a white coat, yet turns out to have a degree in psychology and Christian counseling when I Google him. He introduces a gadget that looks like a set of VR goggles, a kind of hypnosis device to help you lose weight, quit smoking, or relax. It works in part by flashing lights into your ears. You aren't able to hear the light, but your brain understands its frequencies like computer code. It's for sale in the gift shop for $495. Alice describes an eerie sort of brainwashing atmosphere at the Q Sciences conference. And yet, according to her, she felt like she was the only one that cared that the facts didn't add up. Alice stated that Mormons make up 82% of the population in this county and Latter-day Saints consider it a joy and privilege to share their religion with others which makes them amenable to sharing products too. Mormons also tend to be more open-minded about natural medicine. Multi-level marketers here mostly sell dietary supplements. Though this is a pretty broad statement and you can take it however you want, Mormons are going to trust one another. Just like how a Catholic might relate to another Catholic, a Muslim may relate more to another Muslim, whichever religion you might pick, they probably tend to trust each other a bit more. 
Mormons have a massive community in Utah. So while I might be sitting here saying, I want the facts that Q Scientist works, for them, it may be as simple as, hey, this helped my neighbor, so I'll try it. I think we're all inclined to believe someone from our own friend group, or in this case, from our own church over a stranger. Even though I'm incredibly skeptical over any health claims, to a certain extent, I can understand why some Mormons may feel differently or at least be inclined to believe these MLMers easier. I'm not saying that's an excuse to not do your own research. I'm just trying to work out why this might be so common here. Anecdotal evidence is going to sound more compelling if it's from someone you know. According to the LDS's own website, the members of the church are known for their healthy lifestyles because a health plan for the church was written down by their president, Joseph Smith, in 1833. It was presented as a revelation from God, so naturally health is going to be incredibly important to them. And health MLMs, even just starting out, would have the LDS community as a massive customer base. Even though their word of wisdom also advises against hot drinks such as coffee and tea, avoiding smoking and drinking does pay off since studies show that Mormons in Utah don't have cancer or heart disease as often as other parts of the States. The general idea of don't smoke and drink isn't all that new. I think most of you by now know that smoking and drinking isn't exactly great for your body. However, because strictly abiding by these guidelines is working amongst Mormons, it doesn't seem like that much of a stretch to think they'd be on the lookout for natural supplements too. An article from the Salt Lake Tribune stated, in the mid 2010s, Utah's pharmaceutical and medicine factoring industry encompassed 4,737 jobs and 79 businesses. That economical statistical area is a fairly accurate proxy for the nutritional supplements industry, according to the Utah Department of Workforce Services. Lauren Israelson, executive director of the United National Products Alliance, traces the start of that industry in Utah to John Christopher of Springville, who wrote and lectured on the healing properties of herbs around the mid 20th century. His specific ideas about healthy diets fit nicely with the Mormon word of wisdom, which promotes the use of herbs in healthful living. Christopher extolled a style of healthful living that was quite resonant with Mormon culture, Israel since said. The Utah nutritional industry not going into the late 1950s and early 60s with four companies, Nature's Way of Springville, Nature's Sunshine Products and Spanish Fork, Nature's Herbs, which is now part of Ideasphere of American Fork, and Solaray, which is now part of Nutraceutical Corp of Park City. Those four stated that with Israelson calls the classic story, a family member with an illness who finds an herb or other natural product that helps alleviate the condition, and then goes on to create a product to help others. Nature's Sunshine Products was Utah's first MLM, following in the steps of Amway, the New York company that started in 1959. MLMs have a lengthy history, even the health ones. Though Instagram diet teas and supplements may seem like a purely modern invention, they're absolutely not. The supplement industry may be especially booming right about now, but they've been around for a while and Mormons too have been using them for a while. Yet we've still got a bit longer to go to answer the multifaceted question of why the LDS church and MLMs are often mixed. So let's get into the next element of this answer. Another aspect of this is discussed at length by Dolan H. Oaks, who wrote a book on the topic called Pure in Heart. This book is actually promoted by the LDS website and Dolan Oaks is an elder. So this is from an insider's perspective. Although he's speaking to get rich quick schemes in general and not MLM specifically, many MLMs do market themselves as exactly that, a way to become wealthy beyond your wildest dreams. As Dolan writes, Some have charged that modern Latter-day Saints are peculiarly susceptible to the gospel of success and the theology of prosperity. 
According to this gospel, success in the world, particularly entrepreneurial success, is an essential ingredient of progress towards the celestial kingdom. According to this theology, success and prosperity are rewards for keeping the commandments and a large home and an expensive car are marks of heavenly favor. Those who make this charge point to the apparent susceptibility of Utahns, predominantly Latter-day Saints, to the speculative proposals of various get-rich-quick artists, they claim that many Utahns are gullible and overeager for wealth. Certainly, Utah has had many victims of speculative enterprises. For at least a decade, there have been a succession of frauds worked by predominantly Mormon entrepreneurs upon predominantly Mormon victims. Stock manipulations, residential mortgage financings, gold, silver, diamonds, uranium, and document investments, pyramid schemes, all have taken their toll upon the faithful and gullible. It is disturbing that there is no clear evidence that Latter-day Saints are less susceptible. If Latter-day Saints are especially susceptible to materialism, this may be because materialism is a corruption of a virtue in which Latter-day Saints take special pride. Materialism is a seductive distortion of self-reliance. The corruption occurs through carrying the virtue of providing for our own to the point of excess concern with accumulating treasures of the earth. And I'm sorry that that was an insanely long quote, but I didn't want to misinterpret or cut anything that seemed integral to explaining his point of view. I won't pretend to know or completely understand Mormon theology, but it seems to me that the idea of money being a blessing can really work against Mormons here. The unique founder, the new skin founder, the higher ups within the company, are they actually blessed? To me, I just think they're talented scammers. And yes, while some of these higher ups are Mormons, many of the people within their downline, like we saw with Gina, are Mormons that trusted others within their community. While I do have problems with the Church of LDS and a lot of problems to be frank, I'd say Mormon missionaries can also be victims in this situation, and that's an important distinction to make. Another source states that big claims of wealth may not deter Mormons because, quote, Mormons often hear people scoffing at our religious ideas, our founder, and our scripture. Because we've grown accustomed to that, we may be more likely to shrug off criticisms even when we shouldn't, end quote. Even the pyramid structure doesn't deter many Mormons because, quote, Mormons are comfortable with the hierarchical institution where people at the top know more than people at the bottom and paying money upstream. I know this may sound like a crude way of describing tithing, but look at it from the outside. There are certain similarities, end quote. Why would God bless someone that's deceiving you, right? If someone's at the top of a pyramid earning a ton of money, no, it doesn't mean God's necessarily given them wealth. Hell, the link between Mormons and MLMs has become so prevalent that for some, it stands for Mormons losing money, almost as much as it stands for multi-level marketing. Yet others say that it's not so much that Mormons may be more susceptible to false claims, but that Mormons may be too trusting and too gullible in general. Trusting people can very easily be conned, whereas a suspicious person would probably be more likely to investigate an MLM and realize, hey, I'm not falling for that pyramid scheme. And don't misunderstand me, I'm not saying that all Mormons actually just believe anything without a reason. However, there is an incredible lack of transparency in the LDS church in general, especially when it comes to how they allocate their vast financial resources. As a result, some of the largest reasons for why Mormons leave the church are as follows. I could no longer reconcile my personal values and priorities with those of the church. I stopped believing there was one true church. I did not trust the church leadership to tell the truth surrounding controversial or historical issues. And it's the third one that stands out to me. If so many people leaving are saying they couldn't trust the leadership and so many are having doubts, then it goes without saying that the people that remain are trusting in the leadership and perhaps the ones that haven't quite earned it. 
That or they're having doubts too. Either way, it seems like there's a lot of trust issues going on internally and to their faith in general. Some sources explain that whereas traditional Christians believe the Bible was written by multiple people and there's multiple authors for each book, the Book of Mormonism in its entirety depends upon the testimony of one man. This article reads, the type of evidence or support on which Mormonism depends to give these claims credibility is eyewitness testimony, specifically the testimony of Joseph Smith himself. And herein lies the problem. In law, an individual's testimony is generally not evidently valid unless corroborated by other witnesses. Likewise, in most controversial matters outside the courtroom, we ought to be cautious about accepting a view that depends entirely on the testimonial of one individual. The importance and scope of the claim simply makes it all the more important that we do not accept it without significant corroboration. We all take one person's word for it without trouble when the matter is inconsequential, but when the stakes are high, wise people look for evidence to support the claims being made. And again, believe absolutely whatever you want, as long as it doesn't hurt other people, I genuinely do not care. Whether you believe in the traditional Bible or the testimony of Joseph Smith, or you're a member of the Flying Spaghetti Church, or you don't believe anything at all, you do you. The point to all of this is to simply say that Mormons seem to have a lot of trust and devotion. The average Mormon spends three hours in church every Sunday alone. These are important qualities to have from an upline's perspective too. Generally speaking, there's quite a few key elements shared between Mormonism and multi-level marketing companies. Not all of these are going to be present in every single MLM out there, but the similarities that stand out to me as examples I've seen time and time again are these the miraculous testimonies and stories, or in MLMs, the anecdotal evidence, the vilification of apostles or bashing those that leave the group, which only serves to create a really enclosed and kind of cultish environment. There's a heavy emphasis on recruitment in both Mormons as well as MLMs, as we've seen, and an odd focus on wealth. Although I know that towards the end here, things become a little bit more speculative, but the fact still remains that the laws in Utah pretty much allow pyramid schemes. There's far more stay-at-home moms to prey upon and the health community is massive. Between all these things we've mentioned today, there's no denying that a correlation does exist. And it seems like short of the laws changing in Utah, this industry is just going to keep on booming. But with all of that being said, that's where I'm going to end today's episode of Multi-Level Mondays. I hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, make sure to like, comment, and subscribe wherever you're listening so you can stay up to date on all the latest episodes. Love you guys, and I'll see you in the next one. Bye.